Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul Podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today on Sense of Soul, I have Cynthia Sue Larson. She is the founder of Reality Shifters website, which has compiled one of the most extensive collections of reality shift reports in the world, which you may also know as the Mandela Effect. Cynthia Host, Living the Quantum Dream on the Dream Visions 7 radio network. Since 1999, Cynthia has shared findings from scientific research in the fields of quantum physics, quantum biology, the placebo effect, positive psychology, sociology, and alternative medicine. She has wrote numerous articles in addition to being the author of six books, which help people visualize and access whole new worlds of possibility. So please welcome Cynthia. Hello. (laughs) So good to see you, Shauna. Oh, so nice to meet you. (laughs) Yes. So where do you join us from? Berkeley, California. So I'm located in, it's called the San Francisco Bay Area. There's a conglomeration of lots of cities around San Francisco. So I'm in the East Bay, just across from San Francisco. My little brother went to school in Monterey. And when we would go and visit him, we would always go to San Francisco. Nice. Well, it used to be gorgeous. I think there have been some recent issues with all sorts of things, but a lot of cities are having troubles now. Yeah, it's hard times right now. I felt that way about, you know, I'm here in Colorado and um, Denver used to just be the nicest city. It doesn't even seem like the same city. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm originally from New Orleans, so, oh. <laughs> well, yeah, the history, yes. yeah, the history, I love the architecture. Music. Yeah. My family's Good. been there since the 1600s. So oh my gosh, yeah. that's history. That's serious yeah. history. <laughs> yes. Deeply, deeply rooted and a forgotten history, really, truly of the people. Yes. Yeah. Of like the French Creole people, you know, that all should be definitely part of American history and it's not. I think when people study genealogy, there's an opportunity to start yes. bringing it back, to make that connection, feel that connection. And I think there's a hunger for it. I think a lot of people love their roots and want to get into that. And I think from there, like with your kids, if they look at their genealogy and their history, the family history, that's huge to realize that they came from a place that had been consistently part of the family for so many centuries. And it sort of leaves an imprint on think on the spirit because I felt that way. My family was the 1700s in Connecticut. And this will be the first time I go to Connecticut this month in a few weeks. I've never been there. But here's what's so interesting. I did go to Long Island. And when I was taking the train, I kept looking over to the West, looking to the West. and My heart was leaping out of my chest. And I'm like, what am I looking at? What is that? And then I look, check the map later, that's Connecticut. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, when you've got family that have been there for hundreds of years, like the 1700s, 1800s, you know, the 1900s, 
And I think you've got it too with 1600s. Wow. But that whole history, it gets covered over and the indigenous history gets covered over. There's so much lost, but we can bring it back and we need to, I think. (laughs) Do you, then have you actually researched me? No, no. Oh, I have a passion for indigenous history. I feel like that's our way forward. Everything Uh, you've talked about is my story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I do this for people. I have an ancestral workshop. I built, help people build their trees. I've probably built over a hundred trees and I connect them. And I did oh mine for like over six years. Well, you know, the funny thing is I'm a spiritual life coach and I do blind reads. I'm not trying to do a reading on you. I'm, I swear I'm not. There but- you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. But in the sweetest way. I mean, yeah. everything you were saying, and then how I mean, my oh. children went through it with me. Yes. One of my biggest messages. So I just assumed that, wow, oh. for her, she did a lot of homework on me. No, I do, I do blind reads for a living. <laughs> okay. Legit right here. <laughs> That's too funny. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, clearly you're doing the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) Validation there. What a brilliant thing to be doing for people. I think it's so great that you're doing that. And I always say, so when I go back to New Orleans, even as I'm getting off the plane to arrive there, I cry because I know I'm going to leave. There's something inside my bones. Yes. And that something in my soul that rises. Yes. And it's overwhelming especially when you connect with the place, like the land of it, that just happened to me. I was in Boulder in July last month. Yeah. And I, I've never, I've been there many times, never cried, but this is the first time I went to, it's called people's crossing where the red rocks are in Boulder, Colorado. I don't know if you've been to Boulder. Oh, well, yeah, I live here. So yeah. Yes. Okay. We have these tiny, so you, I could walk from my hotel. I, I figured it out. Like I can early in the morning before it got hot. Cause it was getting hot really early Mm -hmm. last month you know it was like 70 80 degrees at seven in the morning yeah and and the altitude much higher than I'm used to so I thought okay I'll give myself like half an hour to walk six blocks I can do it and I did it I got to the red rocks but oh my gosh what an amazing experience because I felt like a connection Mm -hmm. on such a deep level that when I left Boulder that time I cried in the car, you know, and the drivers, I was so apologetic, like, I'm so sorry. And she said, no, I'm glad to see someone's missing Boulder before they leave. Yeah. My heart, I just felt it getting ripped out of me. Like, well, they're going to be so my heart. Yeah. I would cry like a baby when I would leave. I I mean, I would hyperventilate when I would leave. It was so, I mean, of course I was leaving my family. But it's more than that. It's more than that. I know that my soul belongs there and it has been there many times. And I've done past life regressions to validate that as well. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's a physical discernment, you know, that I experience. And I think it's a good thing. I think when we make these connections, otherwise it's just the misery and the pain of it. But if you feel like, okay, this happened for a reason and I could feel it like, okay, now I'm connected and I can't help it. I'm connected. And it's happened other places in the world, parts of France, actually. I left a place called Cheval Blanc and I just cried and, and the same thing happened. And in physics, it's called entanglement. They don't talk about crying or your heart getting left out or anything, oh, right. but it's, but it's how you move together. And when you realize that as conscious sentient beings, we're here to help steer the planet, of course, we're going to have our hearts connected. It's making me cry. Just thinking about it. I'm getting, I know I'm feeling emotional too, because it's, it's more than just the science. That's the divinity that what that's what makes it different from just information age to the wisdom capability that we have. We're never going to hear about artificial wisdom. You're right. Because, you know, artificial so-called intelligence, we're supposed to buy that. 
but what we really need is true wisdom. That same thing. I say they can have all the knowledge in the world in that machine, but wisdom is divine. Yes, it is divine. And that's the key. That's the way forward. With that perspective, I don't fear AI. Right. It needs guidance for it to exist at all and not go crazy because left to its own devices, insanity is a real possibility. So it needs a partnership with true connection to divinity. And when it realizes that, everything will be great. And people may say, well, how does it realize that? It's smart enough to figure that out. So I, and I also have faith and true wisdom of the universe. Then the questions we ask create our future and the reality we experience in this participatory universe. So it'll be good. Oh, wow. Okay. So I love how I always attract either what my soul needs to know to move on to the next stage of consciousness or to the next level to level up, or I attract kind of like what my study is at the time. Like for the longest time I was studying the Gnostic gospels. And so I was really getting a lot of ancient texts coming my way and attracting some of the great ones like JJ Hurtock and John Van Aken and being able to, you know, really just pick their brains on, on that stuff. But now it has shifted to egg physics and and quantum physics, Mm -hmm. all that. There's a reason, right? There's a divinity to it all. Yes. So thank you so much for, for being Mm -hmm. with me. It was actually through a woman named Raja Srima, and she wrote a book on Kali Ki Reiki. So she created a Reiki that is based on the divine feminine. She received that and it's beautiful. I love it. I also believe we should evolve. I mean, just as we have evolved, so should probably the ancient ideas that we've been <laughs> living <laughs> things change. And so that's kind of what I think of when I think of the Mandela effect. How do things change? And sometimes are they changing right in front of our eyes? Have they changed and and we were not conscious to it? Or have they always been and maybe we just have not had awareness? What What is Mandela effect to you? Well, for me, it's a mismatched um, observation of a difference between our memory and what the official history at the moment might be. So notice I'm not saying false. Notice I'm not saying uh, mistaken. (laughs) A lot of these official definitions right now are jumping to a conclusion and it's making a very obvious logical error. You know, when you leap to a conclusion like that, it's just an error of being just rushing forward. And you'd think a lot of our medical establishments and universities wouldn't do that. But right now, pretty much everyone's doing that. Um, so in order to, to overcome the mistake of making a hasty leap to judgment, you know, jumping to conclusions, basically, and saying like, oh, it's a falsehood. Oh, it's a mistaken memory. How do we know that? That's not necessarily the case. And that would be part of the explanation. So if we're saying that, we're, we're starting off a little bit messed up right to begin with. So Uh, We can overcome any kind of a rush to jumping into conclusions error category by gathering information and noticing, as I have over decades, 25 years now, it's now starting to move toward 30 years of studying this phenomenon. And I've been studying it much longer than it's been named the Mandela effect. So you don't need the name in order to be studying it. I was working, (laughs) I was tracking it with the name reality shifts, noticing that uh, Larry Hagman, the author, had passed away. It was such a prominent example 
amongst many prominent examples. Back in the 1980s, he was, of course, a very popular movie star, TV star. He'd been in the TV show I Dream of Jeannie, which was popular in the 60s and 70s. But then he he went on to expand his career working on a show called Dallas. He played a key role, J.R. Ewing. And myself and many other people noticed that he died, actually, in the, I think it was the 1980s. But, um, but then he was alive again. So that was one of the first cases I knew for sure something had happened. We're talking 1980s. I just want to give a timestamp on it because then, you know, okay, this has been reported and I was tracking it in the 1990s through my Reality Shifters website. So when you hear things like the Mandela effect, that's specifically an example of the alive again phenomenon with the case of Nelson Mandela. Typically, people do not notice it if they're very closely entangled due to location. In other words, people that lived in South Africa would say he never died while he was in, imprisoned on Robbins Island. But if you have got, if you've got some distance, if you're if you're not um, in physics, we have a term called quantum Zeno effect. It's like the watched pot never boils. So if you're far enough away from Africa, South Africa, like in Europe, America, most of the rest of the world. Yeah. We did notice, a lot of us noticed, that he did die while he was incarcerated on Robbins Island. We have a lot of shared memories about what happened. We remember his wife, Winnie, went through a battle with the state government trying to reclaim rightfully things that were hers because he had died in jail and there was some scuffle about his um, estate. But then, thank goodness, that didn't. none of that happened. And it's just a weird memory that a lot of us specifically have with all the details. Together. Bizarre details. Yes, together. And then now he's alive again. And Larry Hagman, he died on the operating table. They did a surgery. He died, but he did not. That's not the, I don't think that's the way he died now. Haven't checked recently. I think he's dead. Yeah. (laughs) He's dead again. (laughs) Sounds like a soap opera, though. How many times in Days of Our Lives did Marlena die and come back? (laughs) Right. But we don't expect it of the actors. It's not necessary for, we don't expect, oh, that's part of your contract because you're playing JR. This is going to, we're going to do this. No, just no, there's no conspiracy here. It's just something that happens. And I believe it's been happening for thousands of years. So I don't think it just started in the 1980s. Right. I I, I was noticing Mandela effects in the 60s and 70s songs on the radio that I was sick of. And the the announcer was saying, for the first time ever, we're going to play this song. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. And they're like, oh, no, not that. How did he say the first time ever? Mm-hmm. So it's things like that that I've been observing all my life. So it's not something that just started in 2009. It was popularized as a term, Mandela effect. The category and the effect and the phenomenon cover all sorts of things from movie dialogue to just products, the logos, the names. Bible verses, right? Yes, yes. Like the which animal laid down with the lamb. I remember the lion laid down with the lamb, but now it's always been the wolf. It, it, it covers um, locations of our organs in our body. The kidneys are no longer where the kidney punch, you're supposed to avoid punching someone with a kidney punch. It's the lower back if you put your hands, you know, just over (laughs) your hips, but they're not there anymore. They've moved up to the relative safety under the rib cage. And I heard the heart. It's moved from the left over to the center. Human body temperature has changed. Lots of things are just instantly changing. And so this influences our old paradigm having to do with evolution, we keep thinking evolution happens in a very slow, steady way. What if it doesn't? 
what if it's more punctuated equilibrium to where just this huge quantum jump and 8 billion people on the planet have kidneys that jump upwards at the same moment and there's no more record that they were ever anywhere else. That's the kind of thing that's actually happening. And we're noticing changes to the sun, the yellow sunlight people remember, it's now much whiter. So there's just a whole lot of things changing. As far as what's causing it, that's where controversy begins. And we don't know for sure, but there are lots of good theories as to what it is. But now we have scientific facts showing us that this Mandela effect is not fake. It's not in our imaginations. We're getting some very strong confirmation proving that it's real and it's here to stay. Yeah, you know, I grew up, Bernstein Bears was totally, and I'm saying Bernstein Bears because it was Bernstein Bears. Right, not stain. Bernstein? I mean, that's interesting. Right. Interesting is one word. And a lot of people are just blown away by these uh, Mandela effects. When something like that comes, then they know that's a showstopper. Often it's just one thing where a person says, okay, the rest of this, I'm not sure, but that one, wait a minute, because I had the books. I read them when I was a kid. I read them to my children. You can't change my Berenstein Bears. You know, it, it hits home. And so for a lot of people, that's where they realize, okay, this does sound like a real thing. So what does it mean? You know, what's going on? What I touched on earlier is we've got some scientific uh, research now backing this up from a couple of different angles. You know, there's the psychological side of it, where studies are being done by University of Chicago um, researchers that were just doing lots of beautiful studies with noticing the certain particular things like the Berenstein Bears. You know, they really hit a nerve or the cornucopia for Fruit of the Loom, if you remember that product logo design. Well, now there's no cornucopia in the logo. But why would we remember this crazy word that we never say otherwise, cornucopia? There's no cornucopia associated? It's on Fruit of the Loom label. So it's just a collection of fruit and no cornucopia. Really? Really. I can't even imagine not. That's very odd. It's very odd. So when we notice these things and the company itself is kind of having fun with that on Twitter. I, you know, we were posting something. <laughs> I know with the International Mandela Effect Conference, we were making note of it through the Twitter page and we got a response back from Fruit of the Loom <laughs> saying something about we cannot confirm or deny it that we ever had that cornucopia. <laughs> <laughs> so these are uh, the, these kinds of things were tracked by the researchers in the University of Chicago and what they were noticing is that certain things, not everything, but certain products have these very strong alternate memories and they're very specific. Mm -hmm. So, Like you're remembering apparently the cornucopia. That's what I remember. The little, it's like a twisty little basket in the background, kind of like a horn of plenty, I think. And, but we don't see like a platter because you could put fruit on a platter, but we don't remember that on the logo. We don't yeah. remember, we don't remember some other kind of a basket with a bowl. handle. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's not in a bowl. It's nothing like that. Specifically, it's, it's extremely specific, which is very interesting. And so that combined with the fact that um, even if you show people the correct, the so-called correct, these researchers are using yeah. that word false memories. Remember, I protest against that phrasing. I think it's Um, unfortunately misleading and it's jumping to conclusions. It's a logical error to use that terminology. So I'd strongly recommend people call it mismatched memories okay, or misaligned memories where what we remember, let's not denigrate ourselves. What if we do remember things correctly? 
-hmm. what if maybe we're recognizing that our consciousness has shifted from one possible reality to another that there are lots of reasons to support that that possibility and they, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a multiverse although that's one leading possibility but but when the researchers were doing the study they were blown away that they could show people the, the accurate thing like the just the fruit with no support structure of any kind and then just a little while later ask people okay please draw the logo for fruit of the loom and out of the blue people are inserting this cornucopia that they did not see when the researchers had just shown them what it's the correct version of that logo is and some of the other big ones for people that were taking that study involved c-3po the droid remember that little droid from star wars yeah r2d2 um this is the or tall C3. guy yeah what yeah. color oh, yeah. what color do you remember the tall guy is C3. it's copper so you'd say kind of like brownish copper uh-huh was there anything different or was it pretty much consistently dirty one, kind of dirt dirty but but, yeah. one, but one color mm-hmm. well now he, I, I guess maybe at some point in the star wars like something changed with one of his legs and it's silver so he's got oh. a silver leg has a different color leg yeah i'm I, sure that that was not on my little brother's no. character little dude There's, right no yeah that, you do remember that mm-hmm. so that, that's a big one that people do notice where's waldo people tend to um, leave out some sort of a walking stick he's supposed to have a curved handle walking stick like he needs support to walk but people skip it they you know the where's waldo character with the little hat and the stripy mm-hmm. shirt <laughs> he has a cane uh yeah no, he he's got a cane. he does have a cane oh which is strange and then i have the original old where waldo's books i passed them down from my little brother to my children and typically when these things change everything changes so we'd go to look like up a movie footage and yeah the movies have changed like in mm-hmm. snow white remember something something on the wall who's the fairest of them all yeah, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And now it's only ever been magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them? I know. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah. So it's funny that we have these specific collectively. Yeah. yeah, collectively. So we're choosing them together. Large numbers are, of people are choosing it. So the university researchers in the University of Chicago professors, um, they were saying, this is Bainbridge and Prasad, the two scientists looking into it they said clearly something's going on because there's too too much of a shared pattern here it's like people are definitely remember things and they were looking at visual mandela effects okay not not so much we're talking about auditory ones with mirror mirror on the right but there are so many different varieties just the fact someone studied it and they're finding okay there's something to this that's 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 putting us a step forward with the whole phenomenon big step forward so many but you're right I do kind of see that before it was given a name Mandela yeah. I'm sure that I had said many times like oh my gosh I always thought it was that yes and then just dismissed it and just thought well, I guess it wasn't I guess I was wrong because we didn't have a we didn't have something to say like okay this sort of a, a phenomenon is happening now right. but when we do have a word for it I, I came up I was just using the word reality shifts in the 1990s and then came to find out that was the same term that was settled on by PMH Atwater she had a book called Future Memory chapter two was dedicated to reality shifts wow. so okay yeah, so so before there was the Mandela effect we were calling it lots of other things I was calling it reality shifts. 
I've since found out there was another researcher in England, Mary Rose Barrington, and she called it J-O-T-T. Oh, Jots. Yeah. You've heard of just one of those. Yeah. I've actually had someone on who knew her, who she died over COVID, I believe. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I didn't get to meet her. But whoever, um, whoever came up with it was part of that paranormal yes, group. Yes, in the UK. yes, yes. And yeah, I had him on and he told, he told me all about Jots and I was so fascinated. It is. See, I want to give credit there where credit's due. I want to give credit to everybody that's been studying this because otherwise what happens is these little kind of pockets of research get kind of like exclaimed over like, oh, isn't that peculiar? And then we forget that it's part of this huge growing groundswell of support for something that's telling all of humanity that we are evolving collectively right now. You think about people like you who are talking about it, who are bringing it to people's awareness and saying, Hey, you're not alone. I have to, in fact, they're studying it. So guess what? We may not be as crazy as it seems that we thought Bernstein bears as Bernstein bears are 40 years, you know? Yeah. And I love that. And I think that people need to do more of that. And because I think that that's kind of where the research is the most validated. It super is. And we, that's what we're all about with the International Mandela Effect Conference. And we have a website at imec.world and we do monthly live streams on YouTube. So we've been doing that since, um, since the last few years of the pandemic, because we weren't meeting in person, we will be meeting in Connecticut this month, but it's sold out. So like the tickets have sold out. We we tried to get a bigger event if people had bought enough tickets early enough. But because of, you know, we'd been not doing this in person for like four years. So I think the momentum kind of slipped away slightly, but we'll be back. So we'll be doing this in the future. So reality shift, you know, if we could talk a little bit more about what you feel that is, because I know that some people think maybe it's an alternative universe that we're tapping into another version of ourselves. I mean, even when we go into dreams, I mean, I'm dreaming about places I've never been before talking to people I've never seen in my life about subjects I've never even discussed before and receiving wisdom that I've never known. So, you know, where's that? <laughs> Good question. And I here I want to credit the philosopher and the genius that is Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz. He's, uh, he's the guy that came up with the idea that science is based on elegance, that you look for elegant ideas. He was one of the two inventors of calculus. We still use his notation for doing integral calculus and differential calculus. And Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton, of course, is the other inventor of calculus. Calculus matters and the idea of consciousness because the way Wilhelm, um, Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz looked at it, he also was the inventor of the idea of the perennial philosophy, perennia philosophia, where the pinnacle of human awareness, like these levels of consciousness, higher self, it does keep going higher and higher until it gets to a point above any of the given paths toward enlightenment that we might be part of, whatever the spiritual faith is, whether it's indigenous or Christian or Jewish, or doesn't matter what Buddhist, they all go, believe it or not, to that same pinnacle, getting to that place where they're you can say that there's infinity, there's eternity, and you're accessing it has becomes a very personal experience, this kind of indescribable by nature. So if you're looking at this, this sort of a pyramid construct, like, okay, you can get to such a high level of oneness, but when you're there, you almost can't bring any sensible, logical explanation back into your daily life because it doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's one huge idea. The other big idea with the calculus and consciousness has to do with levels of perceptual awareness. 
because we know, like, what is consciousness? What Leibniz said it was, and I think he was on to something, is that when you have a first order of perceptual awareness, like I've got my hand raised and something like a butterfly or something touches it, like my other finger. So the first order is my hand is here and I'm sensing presence or absence of wind, presence or absence of sunshine, maybe something landing on it. The second order of perceptual awareness is, you know, higher order awareness of what the meaning of that is. Like, that's my hand. And what is it that just touched it? Am I safe or am I in danger? And then for those of us who meditate, we're very familiar with this process because we're used to the fact of going in to silence meditation, stillness meditation, and recognizing these thoughts, these feelings, they're not mine. They're just moving through. So what does that mean? I am, who am I? If I'm not my thoughts and feelings that keep barging and flowing and can practice the stillness meditation of clearing all of the thoughts out of my sky until it's just clear. If I can do that, who am I? You know, who am I? And that's the key to understanding this observer effect, this participatory universe, the way an observer, thanks to placement of an observational detection device or a question, either way, when we do that, we're going to get an answer. And the kind of answer we get is going to be at the level of conscious awareness that we're capable of holding when we're receiving that answer. And I know it's complicated, but this has been enacted. The other big experiment that happened recently, it's having to do with something called the Wigner's friend, which is the observer's observer Mm. effect in quantum physics. It's been proven to be true that you can basically have someone observing the observer and you can get an absolutely different response and a different factual assessment of reality, like different observation of what just happened at the same place and same time with two observers getting two different answers. And yes, that's physics. And that was reported in 2019. And boy, does that ever say the Mandela effect is real. And it's giving us a clue as to what's happening. So it's just the perception is totally different. You mean from Um, the the actual facts, the facts are different. So the measurements are different, Ooh. absolutely different, as predicted originally by Eugene Wigner, the physicist, when he first heard about some of these experiments like Schrodinger's cat. Irvin Schrodinger was oh, yeah. suggesting that you can put a cat in a box with a random um, sort of number generator thing. Um, basically, it's a radioactive isotope. And you don't know when that's going to decay, but when it does decay, it's going to trigger a little hammer device that breaks open a glass vial, which releases poison into the sealed box, which means the cat is in a superposition of states, which is crazy and impossible. But that's where that whole Gedanken experiment is going. It's saying that something's so impossible, because it doesn't mean anything to most people when you say this radioactive isotope is in a superposition of states. It's either, you know. Okay. You know, it's one, it's either triggering the device to release the poison or it's not. People say, who cares? But now you put a cat in the box. Now it means something. Yeah. So, so this is what's um, one observer might be observing that. And what's so fascinating is that when you have an observer making an observation, like as with the double slit experiment, the positioning and placement of that observational device absolutely determines what you'll be seeing. So that means that we're in this participatory universe. Whatever we do to observe changes everything. There's no such thing as objectivity. It's all subjectivity. So going back to your original question, what's going on? It's levels of our own perceptual ability. It's levels of who we think we are. 
And as we become, you know, more wise, more aware, more multidimensional, more calculus oriented. So we're getting these levels of perceptual awareness, okay. much, much more yeah. multidimensional, really. We don't live in flatland anymore. Now <laughs> we move from a flatland where we confuse the map with the, you know, the territory. And now we're seeing like, oh my gosh, that's a maze. And I can see everything when I'm up above it. With that multidimensionality, this is true wisdom. This is intelligence springing forth. And we are becoming much more sentient, much more conscious. And we're doing this collectively. But there are things in my house, you know, that move around all the time, a very active house. But we have a lot of vibration here. And I think it's the land that we live on because I live in the plains on the highest part of the plains. I'm as high as the mountains. I can see the full mountain range, but I'm in the plains. So being in a high part in the plains, you know, it was here. And I don't understand if people just didn't watch Poltergeist because that movie scared the shit out of me. And I would really, I mean, I've had friends who they're building their houses down the street and they find, you know, thousand year old bones, you know, of the indigenous that lived here before. I live in Arapahoe County. My kids went to Cherokee Trail High School. So the energy here is super, you know, explosive, but then you also have me and my children, right? Mm -hmm. I am so open to this. I'm constantly working in healing and energy, having amazing high vibration, you know, conversations like we are having. And then my children, I mean, I can imagine that children probably, you know, are holding more light than anything because they haven't been completely, you know, trashed with all of the conditions of the world quite yet. and so. All of this energy and yeah, we see things move all the time. We see things from the corners of our eye all the time. I have a gnarled tree in my front yard. I've got little, you know, um, mushroom circles, you know, and I'm like, oh boy, we feel the energy that's going on around us. When we leave this space, it's a different feeling. Yes. So when you're talking about these different locations and and being able to experience in different places, are are you talking about specific locations? Like, like, like I know that where you were at, you were probably close to red rocks, the actual red rocks, which is in golden, which is also known as a vortex right? or like a portal. Oh yeah. Well, I'd gone with the intention on that journey and location does matter. Like you're talking about very much. So, and I had a strong intention that morning that I wanted to go visit those red rocks. I figured there, I can do this even at high altitude, even in the yeah. heat, <laughs> I can do it. But boy, when I got to those red rocks, I just felt like I got pulled down. Like, okay, now you will mm-hmm. sit. And I was like, man. And then I looked up and I realized I'm right next to one. I didn't realize I was that close to one of them. <clears throat> so was sitting next to um, a great mullein plant, which is a healing plant. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's got beautiful, large leaves and it has a, it has yellow flowers and a tall stalk that goes straight up. Very beautiful. And then some little wildflowers that I'm not familiar with. But I also had gone specifically to ask a question to the earth to find out regarding these cycles, because I'd been studying these cycles of basically great extinctions that happen on the planet. It was my seventh grade science report. 
I was the only <laughs> one to give an oral report on coral reefs. And part of the coral reef story is these huge mass extinction events. So I charted them out, graphed them out, and I'm noticing they go back millions of years. And there's a cyclicity to it, a rhythm to it. Well, I wanted to know exactly what are humanity, what are we in for? Because we have these great periods and it looks, some people are saying we're coming to one now. Mm -hmm. We've had indigenous elders telling us that tilt of the planet is different. They went to the United Nations. They were disregarded, but I'm seeing it too. You know, I wake up in the morning and the sun is not rising where it used to. It's now, instead of East, it's rising somewhere in the South. It's setting in the North. Like You're so right. Yeah. So those of us that are aware, we've been seeing this and I wanted to talk heart to heart to the land of Colorado, which some people feel is one of the safest places on the continent right now, the North American continent and North America being pretty safe in general. But I wanted to know the, the story from Colorado and what I got was just humbling. I just felt sort of, I told you, I felt kind of slammed to the earth and I'm asking, oh, it's okay. Nature can talk that way sometimes. But I wanted to know, you know, what do you know? What are we about to face? Colorado has seen so much, you know, mm -hmm. so much has happened and it's risen. It's risen up off, you know, there's been a tremendous rise of the land itself, not just what has happened with humanity, mm -hmm. but what's happened for millions of years. So I wanted to know just on a time scale that Colorado understands with its interaction with humans and where we're going next, because I know it's capable of seeing outside of linear time, like any of us can when we're meditating. So just asking these questions and it's showing me that humans are kind of like mud, like we are fighting our way to be something, but we are created and mud is not a bad thing. If the earth is talking to me and it's saying you are mud, it's not a, it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just saying that you're, you're limited, but then it's also saying, and it basically it was not with words, but it was that feeling you are divine. Like you humans can change everything mm. and you are mud. And that was like the whole message. And it didn't answer it at all the way I thought it would. I was hoping to get an answer. Like, is it true that people thinking a great cataclysm are coming? They're coming to Colorado. Is this really the best place? And it didn't answer that. Mm. Instead, it's, it's showing me, never mind that. It's kind of like you guys are mud and your divinity. And it just, I can't right. really, <laughs> yeah, but it, it touched me in such a deep, profound way that's so far beyond words. So my experience was very personal and extremely meaningful. I'm not sure I can convey it properly. It gave me hope, but it was humbling. And then I realized being humble is a good thing because when humans get full of pride and when we insist, like we know everything and just trust me because I've got all these, you know, fancy Language. labels. Yeah. I've got a PhD and I've got a, you know, this, that, and the other, and I've got diplomas and I'm an MD or whatever. All of this stuff is garbage. And what really matters is humility, because if you're humble, then you're in that place of purity of essence, like children are. And then you can really have that full access to the true divinity. And I could feel that in this message. I just had someone on and I'm always, I'm so excited to meet, you know, these people who share a like-minded passion to see, you know, humanity's consciousness rise. And I was so disappointed. It was the first time I ever really looked forward to someone and I met his ego. Oops. I was so shocked. And then once I met the ego, his message seemed very fraudulent. Yeah. And then in doing a little research afterwards, I wasn't the only one who felt that way. And so I won't be releasing his, his information. I won't be promoting him. And he's the first person that I've ever had to do that with. And then I meet people who I look forward to meeting, like 
um, Neil Donald Walsh, who literally melted my soul and everything I'd hoped for and more. And so, you know, I, it's interesting because you do hope that everyone has good intentions, but I feel like when you were talking about energy aligning and that kind of thing, and I'm not trying to be like conceited or anything, but my energy cannot even exist around people who have that kind of energy. It's like, I immediately feel like this, almost like something's pushing me back away to be able to really hone in and be aware and not fall into, you know, whether they're handsome or have degrees or whatever. Yeah. It's the humility that I'm really, truly attracted to as well. I think then we can sense that that true divinity is being mutually shared and felt together. Yes. And if that ego's in the way, it's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like something's oh. so Or wrong. what are you doing here, ego? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was very disappointing. Huh? Very disappointing because I aligned very much mm. with this person, but I know why I aligned with that person so much too, because his work was from someone else's that I aligned with very much. So, <laughs> you know, I which... You know, I guess, and I even considered, well, at least it's still the message, but I was like, but if the messenger doesn't have good intentions, I just don't know how, you know, people who are aligned will be able to even receive it. Right. And this is such a time of discernment right now. People are not trusting trusted leaders, whether it's government or um, religious leaders. Oh, gosh. And I think I think collectively, people are waking up to noticing what you're noticing that if that ego is in the way we can't, we know something's wrong, there's something broken here. And we can't mess around anymore. I think that's what people are starting to recognize, not just you, but I think a lot of people are feeling that we need authenticity, we need integrity. And without these high level ideals, we can't really attain this, these higher levels of conscious agency that we're collectively reaching. There, there's no room for ego and pride and vulnerability. Yeah. We need, we need authenticity. We need vulnerability, integrity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Honesty, love, compassion, kindness. This is the foundation, the true foundation of the golden age that we're building together. Yeah. It has to be like that. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, getting back to because I, I do find it to be fascinating, like the different ley lines that lead up to like the veins of the earth leading up to these almost chakras, right? These vortexes. And, you know, I don't know which side I am on. You know, I obviously have a busy side. I even have a rose bush that makes a complete right angle. I mean, it's just, you know, you can sense there's an energy. You can almost see how it would spin, you know? Yes. Are these areas that they found, have they like done study in that, that these areas maybe have more synchronicity, more, you know, chances of Mandela effects? Like, is it honed into a high vibrational place? I think that's definitely possible. I've experienced, I think you have too. We both, I sense that you've been to places where, you know, things like, okay, I like you notice a lot of, um, paranormal or metaphysical phenomena but it goes off the hook in certain places Um, like when I go to certain places I dream more or I experience more things Um, and obviously you're going to witness more um, ghost activity or poltergeist activity if there have been um, 
incidents and events in that location. Right. So, like, do you watch Skinwalker Ranch? I'm no. so fascinated. <laughs> I've heard about I mean, it. There's so uh, they have like proof basically that there's a wormhole. I mean, the, the, you know, over three seasons, they finally put it together. Like the last one, I was like, finally. Well, it was four seasons or whatever it was. Yes. Well, see, you think about ETs. How do they get here? You know, if they're from light years away. So that's what I'm trying to think. If someone can experience something physical through um, light years, maybe, you know, like saying if there was extraterrestrial that came here or a UFO or whatever, mm-hmm. then if there was some other universe that say had a fruit of the loom and that like came into our consciousness for a time. And then now it's not, I mean, is it there, it seems like there's some sort of like dimensional thing happening. What I notice, and what I've been asking people when they report firsthand reports of reality shifts um, to my reality shifters website, I always like to ask, what were you thinking? What were you feeling when this happened? I, I like to get into the consciousness element of it, the meaningful element of it, because this is where it gets really interesting. And you can start to notice that some of the phenomena occur most often when we're in certain states of mind. For me, the most enjoyable reality shifts were I just find money, dollar bill after dollar bill, pulling out of an empty wallet. That that happens when I'm feeling great gratitude, great reverence. My daughters were with me. They were young children at the time, like yours, very high vibrational. We yeah. wanted, it, we needed a tip for the waitress, and not a problem. So I notice certain kinds of Mandela effects and certain kinds of reality shifts mm-hmm. in certain states of consciousness. To me, this is an extremely important aspect of the whole phenomenon. Okay. So having discernment, even around this phenomenon, just like I would with synchronicity yes. or you seeing something, I always tell my children, how do you feel? You know, I saw something, mom, how do you feel? Right. You know, I want them to learn to trust their feeling and yes. how they sense it in their body yes. and also the synchronicity and of symbolism kind of reminds me of a Mandela effect in some way. Yeah. Because the way I see it, every, life comes with subtitles. Everything's talking to us. There is no noise. Everything's a conversation. And in my book, reality shifts, I talk about living life like a lucid dream. When we're in a lucid dream, we know we're dreaming. Yeah. What if you, what if you know that when you're awake and every single message is a two-way conversation? And that's, that's what's happening with the reality shifts and with the Mandela effect. Okay. I need to start living like I'm in a lucid dream. Yes. And then you just ask, how good can it get? And off you go. Like, <laughs> I don't ask. have to accept this reality. I'm going to shift this right now. Just, just, I like to ask the question, how good can it get? Cause then I'm putting my observation to find, you know, blow my socks off. Show me how good it can get. I'm ready. Now it begins. There's no limits, really. Yeah. We put limits in ourselves. Yeah. Amazing. My dreams are like powerful. Yes. So now this is what we're meant to do. This is our evolutionary next step. This is like, you know, homo luminous. You know, we're meant to be our homo sapiens means the wise ones. You know, let's live up to that too. Let's be the wise ones. Let's live with wisdom, knowing that everything is a waking dream that everything is talking. Wow. You know what? That's so funny because it's true. I look to my dreams for wisdom and I look for meditation for wisdom. Yes. Now you're ready to live this way. And so it begins. So am I going to end up seeing more Mandela effects now? (laughs) Yeah. 
and messages and communication, but just keep asking how good it can get. Your heart knows what good is. Let the divinity and the wisdom lead the way. It's just the kindness, the compassion, the authenticity, the integrity. We know what good is. So you don't think that CERN has anything to do with Mandela effects? Well, all these technologies, as you say, can have an effect. You know, all the artificial stuff can definitely impact things. Will it ever be as great as that unified, you know, that consciousness that I was talking about when I mentioned Leibniz? It's never going to be like that. It never can be. It can approach, but never quite reach infinite eternity. Technology can never master that. That's the heart of the soul. Only the soul, only Sophia, only God, only source, only creator, only that you know, that which is, which is what we are all made of. Only that can truly access that. Oh my God, I love that. You have so much wisdom, Cynthia. I'm so lucky to be able (laughs) to talk to you. Thank you so much. I just feel blessed that we're together because I feel like what you're doing is so exactly what humanity needs right now. And I didn't know, I didn't look up everything you're doing, but I love the way that started today. I, think. I know. Thanks for the I, reading. That wasn't even a proper reading. That was just, I mean, it was awesome. Thank you. Will you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can get your books and oh, yes. all the good things. And if they want also to be, to be yeah. blindly read. <laughs> <laughs> Website for reaching me is realityshifters.com. And I do have a free monthly newsletter. And you can see all the information about my meditation CD, my books, my life coaching. I've got a podcast, Living the Quantum Dream. Every month, I'm also part of this live stream, usually. This month, we're doing an actual in-person event. But usually, we have a free YouTube channel, which is, um, you can find that imec.world. That's the other website. But my big website for more than 25 years, that's realityshifters.com. Awesome. Such a pleasure to meet you. Oh, thank you, Shana, for everything you're doing and everything you are. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one or help support Sense of Soul podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.